Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Scott Luton, and welcome to this edition of This Week in Business History from March 15th, 2021. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode, too, where the talented Kelly Barner filled in for me. She shared the history of the Ford Mustang, and I learned something new. Kelly comes from a family of Mustang lovers and owners. It's intriguing to see how families develop strong relationships with automobile makers and models. One summer way back when I was in high school, I worked for my uncle's Honda dealership. That was a long summer of washing lots of cars in the South Carolina heat. But I learned so much from my coworkers, Keith, Monty, Debbie, to name a few. And it might be one reason why I've owned no less than four Honda Accords in my driving career. Hey, what about you? What automobile has your family really built a long-standing passion for? Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know. I'll include my LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And while you're at it, I'd love to hear any other feedback that you have for our podcast. Okay, so let's get back to this week in business history. Today, we're going to be sharing five particular historical moments and notable dates in business history. So stay tuned to remember what you may have forgotten and hopefully learn a few new things as well. Thanks again for joining us here on This Week in Business History, powered by our team here at Supply Chain Now. Number one on our list today, have you ever wondered where the diesel engine gets its name from? On March 18, 1858, Rudolf Diesel was born in Paris to German immigrants. Diesel illustrated brilliance in math and engineering throughout school, and he would join an engineering firm in Paris in 1880. Rudolf Diesel developed a fascination for all things engine-related. After moving to Berlin in 1890, Diesel would develop a concept for a new type of engine. So for context, you got to keep in mind that in the late 19th century at the time, steam engines were the predominant power source for large industries. Eventually, in 1897, Rudolf Diesel would demonstrate a working model of his engine that showed a fuel efficiency of 26.2%. That compared well versus the popular steam engine of the period, which offered a fuel efficiency of only about 10%. This efficient, slow fuel burning, compression ignition, internal combustion engine would become known as the diesel engine, and Rudolf Diesel would patent his design in 1892. But his invention needed extensive re-engineering and time to become a commercial success requiring many other engineers and developers to get involved. 
and plenty of folks would do just that, as the opportunity was obvious. By 1912, more than 70,000 diesel engines would be powering factories, generators, and the like around the world. The diesel engine would revolutionize transportation as well, starting with the railroad industry. And after World War II, the trucking industry would begin to embrace the diesel engine. Rudolf Diesel, while a brilliant and innovative engineering mind, would develop a variety of personal problems related to all these other folks involved in his invention. Some would say Diesel would suffer from a nervous breakdown or two. Ultimately, Rudolf Diesel would depart this world in a mysterious way. In September 1913, Diesel would depart Belgium on the steamship Dresden on his way to England, where he was scheduled to attend a variety of meetings and events. Included on his itinerary was a meeting with the British Navy about possibly utilizing the diesel engine in their submarine fleet. However, in mid-journey and while still at sea, diesel would disappear from the vessel. On October 10th, about two weeks after his disappearance, Rudolf Diesel's body would be found floating in the North Sea. Ruled a suicide, many believe Rudolf Diesel was murdered. Nevertheless, his ideas and inventions certainly changed the world. And now you know where the diesel and diesel engine originated. Number two on our list, the day that the greatest show on earth opened to the masses. On March 18, 1881, P.T. Barnum would join forces with his fierce competitor, James A. Bailey, and they would conduct a joint circus at Madison Square Garden in New York City. It would be called Barnum and Bailey's Greatest Show on Earth. In the following years, Barnum and Bailey would join forces with the four Ringling Brothers, forming the world's largest and most successful circus of all time. Big top tents were famously used until about 1957 when sports stadiums and arenas became the norm. In 1967, a group led by Irvin Feld would purchase the circus from the namesakes. Famous toy maker Mattel bought the circus in 1971, only to sell it back to Irv Feld and company just 10 years later in 1981. Over the years, as consumer preferences had changed and animal treatment concerns increased, the legendary circus held its last show on May 21st, 2017, and closed up shop after 146 years. I can recall going to the circus in Augusta, Georgia, way back in the 1980s, or ancient times, as my own kids tell me now. I believe it was held at the then Augusta Richmond County Civic Center, now since renamed the James Brown Arena. The sheer majesty of it all was powerfully mesmerizing as a kid. Three rings with plenty of activity and animals to boot for maximum sensory overload. Much more recently, my wife Amanda and I have come to really love the 2017 musical, The Greatest Showman, which is inspired by the one and only P.T. Barnum. Check it out if you haven't done so yet. So number three on our list today, let's talk about a pioneer in the world of medicine. On March 16, 1883, Susan Hayhurst becomes the first woman to graduate from a pharmacy college in the United States. Born in Middletown Township, Pennsylvania, Susan had shown a keen interest and skill in math at an early age. Her love and propensity for math and chemistry would lead to her application to the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania, where Hayhurst would earn a medical degree in 1857. 
After graduation, Hayhurst dedicated herself to the field of education and taught others for many years. But in 1876, having taken a new position as head of the pharmaceutical department at the Women's Hospital of Philadelphia, she observed the fast-growth field of clinical pharmacology. Hayhurst became determined to earn a diploma in pharmacy, despite the fact that only one other woman had even been admitted to the program at the time. Undeterred, she'd attend classes at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, which had been chartered in 1822 as the first pharmacy college in the United States. She was the only woman in her class of 150 students. And in 1883, at the age of 63, Susan Hayhurst became the first woman to earn a diploma in pharmacy. What an inspiration. Her success never stopped her give forward mentality. For example, Susan Hayhurst would go on to mentor over 65 women pharmacists. Number four on our list today, we're back to work with the Adamson Act. Do you have any idea why the Adamson Act is such a landmark piece of legislation? On March 19, 1917, after becoming law not even a year prior, the United States Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the Adamson Act. Named for William C. Adamson, a U.S. representative from Georgia, the Adamson Act ensured several big things, namely the eight-hour workday, primarily for railroad workers in its initial application, but also the act provided for overtime pay at 1.5 times that of normal pay. One factor that helped get the Adamson Act passed in Congress was the major threat of a railroad labor strike, which would have crippled the country. A 400,000 strong worker strike was averted and the act passed U.S. Congress and it was upheld by the highest court in the land. The Adamson Act would also help build momentum, which would help pave the way for the Fair Labor Standards Act in 1938, which instituted the 40-hour work week, amongst other things. Our fifth and final item on our list today, we leap into the information age. As on March 15, 1985, Symbolics.com became the first registered internet domain name. According to data from Verisign, published at the end of 2020, there are over 366 million registered domain names right now. And each month, about 1 million are added to that total. But it all was started by Symbolics.com, which was registered by Symbolics Computer Corporation, which was based in Concord, Massachusetts. The company is no longer around, but it did leave its mark beyond its website historical legacy. Symbolics was one of the first makers of computer workstations, and the company, which was mentioned in the original Jurassic Park, had developed a computer language known as LISP, L-I-S-P, which is still used by a handful of companies and government agencies today. Interestingly enough though, Symbolics would capitalize on the first ever URL. In 2010, the company was in fundraising mode and decided to sell its domain name to XF.com Investments. Since then, Symbolics.com has become an internet museum of sorts and hundreds of thousands of people visit it each year. Well, that just about wraps up this edition of This Week in Business History. Big thanks to you, our listener, for tuning into the show each week. Be sure to check out a wide variety of industry thought leadership at supplychainnow.com. Hey, friendly reminder, of course, you can find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from. And be sure to tell us what you think. We'd love to earn your review. 
On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Scott Luton here, wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best. Hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.